Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 78. Today we are discussing what's working in and out of our music classrooms as we teach during this COVID time. Yeah. We'll also talk about some highs and lows from the school week, share some ideas in a segment called Know Better, Do Better. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time to talk about our highs and lows from the school week or weeks, as it were. Yeah. So what's going on, Carrie? Um, I'm going to have to go low this time. <laughs> okay. I mean, not to say there aren't some lovely things going on, but I just got off a, a two-week rotation at my traveling school, the school that I go to a third of my time. And um, while I was there, I mean, Tanya's heard this whole story, but <laughs> while I was there, we ended up with two-thirds of our school in quarantine. At that point... I, yeah, it was. I was surprised we stayed open, but I mean, to to her to her credit, my principal there, she really wanted to keep things as normal as she could for as many students as she could. So our fourth and fifth graders were the only kids in the building for like five solid school days. But you could socially distance real well. Well, I mean, they were still in their classroom and they would still come to mind. That didn't really change because we didn't have any more adults. In fact, that was one of the big issues is because of all the students that were quarantined, we also had lots of adults that were quarantined, um, including the art teacher. So I was the only specials teacher and they had to have people basically subbing into the art room while she was quarantined it was I mean okay so I will say that it was handled very well like our school I thought pulled together and handled it very well but it's just you know it's a part of this frustration of no matter how much you plan no matter how much you try no matter what you know measures you go to people have to quarantine and quarantining is one of those measures I understand that it's not like all those kids have COVID I mean we just we had a couple but it just ended up being this trickle effect that caused a lot of students to have to be quarantined so as far as how is how it affected me goes I I decided just to go ahead and push out some remote stuff to my kids every single day because I was like well I'm supposed to see them every single day right now the majority of those things that I pushed out didn't require them to send anything back to me. It was like a mark is done situation. Yeah. But then throughout the five or six, however many days each group ended up being quarantined, I had maybe two things that they had to return back to me. Simple things, too. Um, and so really what the, what the big low was was, once again, the amount of engagement and the amount of students who actually did the work was, it was pretty disheartening. And... I get it. We're all doing the best we can when we're at home. And this wasn't like kids who chose to be home or families who chose to be home. You know, that's a different situation. So I understand there's a lot of parents who were scrambling last minute to find childcare, And I get it. And it's not that I'm not empathetic to that situation, but it's also we all know it's frustrating when you put stuff out to kids and you get nothing back right. or a very small percentage back. The stuff I did get back was so great, especially my kindergartners. Um, I sent a lot of things to them on Seesaw, and I got lots of sweet little videos and recordings back from them, and it was so cute, the stuff that I did get back. that mm-hmm. It made my day, but it was only like four or five kids who were really Ugh. doing it. you know. And yeah. again, I know, especially with kindergarten, that is so much parental 
help. They need it all day long. Yeah. And so if you have parents who are working and the kids are with grandparents or even older siblings, you know, I mean, I know we're just, we're making it work. But it was disheartening because now I'm not going to see them again till December, that yeah. particular group yeah. of kids. So now I'm like, okay, I mean, not to mention that I have to give them report card grades, which is a whole nother situation. But just feeling like I was finally connecting with those kids, too, because mm-hmm. that's my that's my new school community, and I was feeling really good about the connections I was starting to make, and then I didn't get to see them, and I was really sad about it. Yeah. So, anyways, not to be a total Debbie Downer, but that was, I mean, it was a very quiet week, and it was somewhat relaxing because, you know, for quite a few days there, I only had two classes each day in person, and the wow. rest was all remote. Um so as far as like my my day, it was pretty pretty easy, but you know. But we're there to teach. We're there to teach exactly, yeah. and I was doing a lot of like sitting at my desk in my room by myself, just doing stuff on a computer, which is not that's not me. That's not what most of us <laughs> went into teaching to do. Exactly. Us. So, anyways, it was just kind of a weird weird two weeks and then I did have some of my kids come back the last couple days so I was able to connect with them in those last couple days which is good Mm -hmm. um but yeah then I had the realization that I'm not gonna be back there till the middle of December that's just such a weird thing to realize so we're doing what we can we're doing what we can it was a bit of a bummer yes so that's my sad tale how about about you Tanya are you gonna go high or low today Um, I was going to go a little low. It's not dismally low. It's just kind of a a face palm. Like, why am I not thinking of these things low? Yeah. Um, Masks. Um, Okay. (laughs) Masks. Uh, Not seeing kids' faces um, and, you know, the half of their face. That's the thing that it's hard. I'm finding myself having difficulty really getting names down at my new school because I never see their whole face. I know, does that sound weird? Oh, yeah. So there's that. But then I keep running into these little roadblocks that I'm like, duh, why did I not think of this? Okay, so I'm (laughs) with... With some students at my other school, I'm doing Peas Porridge Hot. Uh-huh. And um, we prep the rest or even practice the rest in lots of different ways. And one of the fun things that I like to do is that we, we stir on our hand. And then for all the rest, I have them blow softly. Blow on their pots. Blow on their, on their pots. On their cool. pot of peas. Yeah. Yeah, cool porridge. <laughs> <laughs> cool off their porridge, right? Yes. Um, and I, I know that, that there's a lot of differing... Um, ways people do rest but I'm a big stickler about we don't make a sound on rest you don't go you don't say rest it means no sound I mean it's a piece of silence that is one beat long and so but we want to feel the silence so it's always been a lovely thing that we can go peace porridge hot and then a little blow on your hand and feel it Mm -hmm. um duh with the masks on, not so much. They can't feel. Well, they can still blow. They can still blow. But, I mean, this is one of those things that didn't think about it till we were doing it. Right, right, right. right. So there was that. And I also noticed I was doing some inner hearing with uh-huh. a puppet. And the first time we do it in the school year, I'm used to, you know, I'm mouthing the words so kids can keep on track. Those, you know, it's giving that extra aid to those kids who need it, right? Yep. I could mouth the words all day long. Ain't, ain't going to make any difference because yeah. I've got a mask on. Exactly. So just I just keep running into these mask snafus where yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You can't see my you mouth. You can't see my <laughs> mouth. I can't see your mouth. We can't blow in our hand. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, 
it's fine. I, I'm just, like I said, face palming all the time. Like, why did I not think about this? Yeah, I had that thought too. I was doing like a little like Del Crozian type story with a tortoise and a hare with mm-hmm. my, my first graders this last week. And I was like, and then he crawled in the garden and he ate his cabbage. Help me eat the cabbage. And they're like pantomiming <laughs> eating through their masks. But yet they did it anyway. Uh-huh. I mean, they didn't seem to care. But yeah. It worked. Well, okay. I think we should mention one high though. Because okay. we are recording on Sunday, November 8th, <gasps> yes. and, and a big high happened in, in for the world yesterday in oh, our country. Yes. Not to get too political, because I know there might be some listeners who might not agree, but Tanya and I are feeling very happy that we feel like our country is ready to move in I, the right direction. Yes, I'm, I'm very, I was very tense. I'm sure lots of people, I know lots of people were very tense. Yes. And um, yes, we are very thrilled with the election results. Um, and I know that there are people who don't feel the same way, but I, I'm hoping that um, anyone who is not feeling so great uh, listens to the message from our newly elected, our president-elect, about how we want to heal and bridge the gap and come together, you know, come together as a, a nation here in the United States. Um, and I really liked how he stayed on that point Yes. before, during, and after this whole election process yes. really talked about how, you know, he wants to be an American president for all Americans. Yeah. And that is something Such that I haven't I haven't felt that message no. in a while. So no. And as a teacher, I mean his as message a teacher, about his wife and, yes. and the I mean, I got so teary. I mean, I was teary for many parts of last night, but mm-hmm. hearing that message about having a teacher, you know It was a, really nice to hear teachers mentioned Yes. Positively. Yes. Several times. Yes. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hooray. Hooray. So now it's time for our main theme, and today we are just going to give an update on what's working. I know we just both went low in our highs and lows about there what's not working. There are things that are working, for but sure. But there are lots of things that are working kind of, you know, to a joyful surprise sometimes. Yes. Like, oh, we can still do this, and this is still fun for me and for the students, and, and we're still learning. Yeah, and since we know we have... Um, there's music teachers listening that might be remote 100% and there's some that might be in person 100% or maybe a combo like us. We're going to try to hit all of these environments. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All, or all the ones we have experienced. With. And just like a very quick recap, we are about a third of the way through mm-hmm. our school year. We are finishing our first trimester. We do trimesters in our district um, just this week. And so we have been pretty much um, 100% in person. However, both Tanya and I also have a few online remote-only cohorts of students that we see. Yes. Um, Tanya sees her students sometimes synchronously. I see my students all asynchronously. And then, you know, now I've had the situation of students who are normally in person having to go remote for a short amount of time. So mm-hmm. that's also a different kind of scenario of what can you push out to those kids. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try to kind of, like Tanya said, hit all the different options because we know you are all in different places, mm-hmm. ye who are listening. So, all right. So we're going to start talking about first um, some active music making things that we are still able to do. Um, in person, in the classroom, but also maybe um, in a remote, synchronous environment. Exactly. Okay. Yes. 
So Tanya is going to start us off. Give us some some things that have worked well that you have actually done with kids. That I've actually done with kids, for sure. So to be clear, um, yes, I am singing in my class. But for a much shorter time period than I would usually sing. And so I try to keep the singing games not at the very front of my lesson, but kind of halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, I, I know that we have to have that, that we have 10 minutes in between classes. That's supposed to be this whole air exchange and also an opportunity to wipe down all the things. Okay, so um, I was struggling with this whole idea of circles and can we do circles and, and all of this. I was talking to my instructional coach at... Um, my homeschool, and she was saying, well, if you look at our website for our district, and if you look, they show, okay, here's what in-person, in a socially distanced classroom uh, learning looks like. And she said, they have pictures of kids in a double circle facing each other. Having a conversation. Having a conversation, like three feet apart. She said, if they're doing it like, if they're showing this on our district page, why can't you do circles? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and do it. Now, they're not tightly packed. I do right. have a lot of room. I have less students in the room, so I'm able to do this for the most part. And um, I haven't exactly done a double circle yet. I haven't yeah. had kids facing each other I yet. I don't think I'm ready for that step. Well, okay, <laughs> but here is what I have done. Yeah. Um, I have had one kid at a time. So I'll just take Apple Tree because it's one that most of us know. But there's lots of games um, connected to Apple Tree and I'm going to specifically zone in on an apple tree version where you are the bridge. You have two students who are a bridge, one on the inside of the circle and one on the outside of the circle with their hands clasped. And either the circle travels beneath them or the bridge travels and moves around. Right. And then when you um, get to the end of the song, I don't, I won't cry, I won't shout, if your apples knock me out, then the bridge comes down and whoever you trap gets something, like either joins us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know this game also, it can be used for lots of different songs and is really, you know, organic to like London bridges and, and all of these things. So what I've been doing is that I have some extra long boom whackers, you know, the big, big, low ones, mm-hmm. and I'm using F, and I sanitize it, wipe it down, and kids, when they come in my room, they sanitize first thing. Yeah. So I am, like, making a bridge with the boom whackers with me and a kid who is on the outside of the circle. Okay. Okay. So I'm the one facing the kids, and there's a kid on the outside facing everybody's back. Got it. So me and the kid are, and we move, the bridge moves, and so during the song, we move, and then when we get to the, if your apple knocks me out, we bring down the boom whackers okay. and trap someone. So it's like arm extensions. Got it. Yeah. And then the child who is um, trapped now goes to the other end of the boom whackers, and they just switch places. Oh, okay. But I have them sit down. Yeah. So I have the kid who has already been part of the bridge, sit down in the circle so that we can trap someone new. Um, And then, just to speed things up, I did start trapping two kids. Okay. And then I have one kid on each boom marker. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And yes, I sanitize before. Yes, I sanitize afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're all touching the same boom marker. But um, this is, yeah. This is something I've been doing so far so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. Yeah. Should I talk about how I would uh, bring this into a remote environment? Yeah. If you if you 
are ready to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With the caveat that for this particular game, I have not done this. Okay. But because I'm having third grade remote Zoom and we're not apple treeing anymore. Right. All right. But if I were to do this, um, I would have a Google slide. It could be a Jamboard. It could be anything where you can move a pointer and I would get some Apple icons and put kids' names on yeah, them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then just move my cursor around. Um, it's interesting because I have tried some choosing things when I'm not sharing my screen on Zoom and it just, you know, you're just blind. I right. mean, you're just like, whatever. Uh Kids can't see you touching the screen. Yeah, or they anything. don't know who you're pointing. Yeah, so <laughs> I would pull up a screen um, and screen share with apples with their names written on it. And kids yeah. love to see their names written out on stuff. Yeah, and then I would move that apple like out of the circle or right. somewhere, and and that that would be how I would do an elimination game like that. Yeah, and I have a tip for that too. Whether you're remote or in person, is to use Class Dojo. So if you are already using Class Dojo, you can use the attendance feature on Class Dojo. Mm-hmm. You can open up the attendance feature and you can basically just like mark them absent as they get out. Uh. Like you can point to their little monsters on Dojo, mark them absent, they sit down. Or, you know, if you're in person. Oh, or, that's, yeah. Um, and, and if you're not already using Class Dojo, um, it might be worth it. Because then the nice thing is once you have entered your kids into your classroom, you have that all the time and you can use it for a variety activities yes you know rather than having to recreate it for every and then they know they're monsters so that's kind of fun too yeah i mean i i work at a school that two schools that use class dojo already and the teachers just invite me to join the classes so it's so nice because i don't have to make my own class lists yes even just for elimination games i think it would be worth it to totally make class lists yeah so that's just a couple examples of what i do in person for elimination game and what i could do zooming nice all right what about you you want to give us one yeah so um at the beginning of the year typically um i'm doing a lot of review of past you know literacy concepts you know while we're also establishing classroom community but then i also kind of hit the whole like review of um expressive elements at the beginning of the year too Mm -hmm. and then introduce you know maybe some new expressive elements so for example dynamics um i i generally kind of chunk it up where like first grade we're we're just calling it loud and soft. Mm-hmm. And then second grade, we expand it to forte and piano and give it that name. Third grade, I add crescendo and decrescendo. And then fourth grade, I just go for it and teach them the mezzos yes. as well as pianissimo and fortissimo. And that's kind of how I scaffold that for my learners. And one of my, my most common ways to teach dynamics in an active, fun music making way is um, through games like uh, Lucy Lockett or right. Closet Key or Button You Must Wonder or Black Snake. Mm-hmm. And I basically do one per grade. And it's the type of game where you hide some sort of item in the room. One student hides an item. Another student has their eyes closed. And then they open their eyes and then they start walking around the room. And it's like a hot and cold thing. Mm-hmm. But as they're walking closer to the item, the students sing louder. And as they're walking away from the item, the students sing softer. So for Lucy Lockett, we're hiding a little purse. And for Closet key I've got like plastic baby keys that we hide 
For a putzing, you must wonder, I have this big old giant button. Right. And then for black snake, I have a plastic black snake. Yeah. So I do Lucy Locken in first grade, closet key in second grade, button you must wonder in third grade, and black snake in fourth grade. And I've been doing this kind of for, for years, and it's so fun because even the fourth graders, they love these types of games. They're yeah. so much fun. And it's a great game for in-person, socially distanced music because the kids are just sitting and singing. Right. But they're still super engaged with what's going on with the one student who's either hiding or finding the item. So where are you hiding the things? Because I know for some of these, um, I like to start out hiding, like Lucy Lockett, the pocket beneath a kid, where uh, they're yeah. sitting on a kid. So no. we're not doing that anymore, No, right? we're just hiding it just anywhere hiding in the room. And I let the room. kids hide. Like, there's a hider and a finder. Right. So one kid goes, and, you know, my rule is always there has to be a little bit of that item sticking out. Yes, so, like, exactly. you can't, like, put it fully inside of a drawer. If you're putting it in a basket, you know, the little tail of the snake should be hanging out. Exactly. And then, they, you know, they like to be funny about it and, like, shove something inside a boom whacker. Or, right. You know, things like that. Um, yeah, so the items have are no proximity to other students. Students. Um, if a student would try to do that, I would just ask them not to do that and just say, oh, our items have to be socially distanced too, you yeah. know, just like we do. Mm-hmm. But the thing I think I... I I want to emphasize with this is that to make sure these items are plastic and easy to clean or wipe off. Yeah, and that's why I like the boom whackers because they're so easy to clean. Yeah, so, you know, and then because I'm doing a different grade with each, or a different game with each grade or cohort, I'm not having the first graders use a closet key and then the second graders use a closet key. I'm only using one item per cohort. I give it a good wipe at the end of class. And like you said, they're wiping their hands in are they're sanitizing their hands coming in the room, they sanitize their hands going out of the room. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, unless they're doing lots of face touching, which if I notice a kid who is doing lots of face touching around or under their mask, I'll just encourage them to go get another squirt. Yes. And I tell the kids, if, if you keep touching your face, I can't let you touch the instrument that we're going to play today. Exactly. Or I can't let you touch, you know, the I've had a lot of fingers up noses lately. I know. This I don't last know. Week. Do we notice it more, do you think, because we're hyper aware? I, I don't know. I like So I had one child who actually just, like, took the mask down to pick and then another kid who left the mask on but the finger was up there yeah yeah that's weird weird. um i want to also just mention even though i'm not teaching synchronous remote um i did black snake and all of these types of games actually you could do in a remote and i've seen this idea multiple teachers so I, i don't know exactly who to give credit to but the way that i've seen this done via zoom or google meet is you take the item and you hide it under one of three cups you go vegas and then yeah while you sing the song you move the cups around and then at the end you say to the students okay where is it is it under cup one two or three point to the one it has nothing to do with dynamics we're not mm-hmm. changing the dynamic level but just for the sake of just playing the here's game a game for fun yes. here's a singing game you can play at home um and just encourage them to sing while you're moving the cups around right um i did that back in the spring when we were fully remote with my students with black snake and i just used a little piece of black string and and plastic cups and yeah. they were totally enthralled they thought it was so much fun well so. there you go and you could make a video of that even. totally yeah all right, other uh, active music making slash singing games or instruments or anything? Yeah, what I did want to mention? mention something that I just did this past week that went really well on Zoom, um, but also, I mean, works in the classroom, is we were using some small percussion and uh, we're talking in third grade and reviewing about percussion instruments and how they're instruments that you hit or scrape or shake. And so... Um, in the classroom, 
I have kids play one of those instruments and we categorize it and we can do things like, well, within um, a seesaw environment or a Google Classroom, just moving pictures of instruments too. Is this one you can scrape or is it, or can you hit it or does it have multiple ways you can play it? So when I was on Zoom, I had turned into a scavenger hunt. Uh-huh. So we talked about these instruments that we're used to in the classroom and I brought some of them out and played them for it. And this is this is when I um, also got the realization that Zoom cuts out when the sound is too loud. Yes, it does. Because we were doing some rhythmic dictation with a woodblock, and the yeah. kids were like, Miss Lejeune, can't hear it. I'm yeah. like, oh my. All right. Yeah, so I'm learning those things. Yep. Um, yeah, so we said, okay, let's talk about instruments that scrapes. Oh, here's a guiro. Here's a cabasa. Now you have one minute to go find something in your house that you can make a sound by scraping. And mm-hmm. then they all went away and they came back. And I know scavenger hunts are nothing new, um, but it was just it was just different and novel. That's fun. Um, and then when we were done with the scavenger hunt, and it was only finding three different things. Yeah. Um, we had done an assignment the previous day where I had them do some composing with a rhythm and they had to write four different four beat rhythms. And I said, now you're gonna go into a breakout room choose your favorite rhythm and your favorite found percussion and you are going to and then they were in groups of three kids you're going to say hey my name is i they know each other's name but like this is the instrument i chose i like this comb i like scraping this comb and here's my rhythm mm-hmm. yeah that's cute i i did something like that asynchronously with my remote kids where i i gave them assignment on seesaw where there was like a you know four boxes and it was like something to use as a drum something to use as a scraper something to use as a shaker did they take pictures the third one i can't remember what the fourth one was oh so i think it was like something made of metal i think or i can't remember it was inspired by a uh, by a music play lesson there was a music play lesson where she showed a picture on there of the different types of instruments you could find at home so i basically recreated that as a template in seesaw and oh. yes i asked them to take pictures Cute. of the items and upload it and some of them um, for one of them, I uploaded a video instead of a picture because you can only upload one video at a time oh. on a Seesaw assignment. You can have multiple pictures, but you can only have one video. Okay. So some of them chose to, and I didn't even ask them to do this, some of them chose to make a video of one of their items they were playing it. So nice. just playing different random rhythms and things. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think those types of scavenger hunt activities are super fun for the kids. Yeah. It gets them up and moving. And it stuff. does. It does. And it's exciting to, um, they really get excited about showing you the little dinosaur ridged back that they yeah, got and, totally you know. um and also speaking of instruments i just also want to mention that i um i am not an orf certified or trained teacher and getting out orf instruments has always been um i'll admit it slightly overwhelming to me i feel like teaching kids orf ensembles can be a huge um, time piece that mm-hmm. sometimes I just don't want to give up that much time of my lessons mm-hmm. to to do big orf ensembles. Um, but I find with less singing this year, I'm like wanting to embrace more orf ensembles. So um, you know, and I've just been doing really small, you know, just two part things so far. The woods play this part, and the metals play this part. Right. So we're taking a song. I did this with fourth grade this last week. We took the song ding 
dong, dig a dig a dong. Hey, we're digging um, yeah. dig dong too. Yep, and I know a million people use this song in a million different ways. Um, great song to review Ticka Ticka with them. Um, and so then I just created, and I know there's, it's in the ORF volumes and there's probably lots of things, but I just made up my own little two-part ORF ensemble for them nice. to play with it. Um, and, and I know, you know, there's, there's different opinions as far as, cleanliness and ORF instruments. I know some people went all out and they created like covers for their ORF instruments, but you and I have talked about this, Tanya. It's like, well, that's not really, they're not touching the bars really. Mm -hmm. And again, if they're wearing masks, sanitizing before, sanitizing after, to me, the thing I want to make sure I really clean are those mallets. mallets. Yeah, yeah, clean the mallet handles. So I am not covering my, my bars with anything. I am, I am not, not either. Don't there. lick the bars, kids. But yeah, exactly. But do I, I clean the mallets really, really yes. well when they're done. And again, I only plan on doing an ORF thing with one particular exactly. class and then I don't have to worry about it. So that's been kind of fun because I'm kind of getting over myself when it comes to, I've really been really good in the past about having kids do like Bordeaux and I've been really good about having kids like improvise different melodic patterns on orphan instruments but as far as layering ensembles go mm-hmm. I get really nervous about that it's just it's out of my wheelhouse you know well I mean it's fun it, it well it, it's it's wonderful it's a beautiful thing when it happens yeah it just it takes time it takes it a lot of time. time exactly and but this year I find myself not saying I need to fill time because trust me there's still plenty to do so but I still time. feel like oh I can take the time this year to replace the time we would be doing way more singing games mm-hmm. um, with things like this that the kids love. I mean, they absolutely love, and it's still active music making. It's just a different way of doing it. Yes, so. and I've used the – it's funny that you mention a Ticka Ticka song because that's um, been my first using of the ORF instruments is with Ticka Tickas. Yeah. Um because they have to alternate those mallets Because quickly. they have to alternate those mallets exactly. quickly. Right. So I've been having them play um, some parts of songs, just the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I've used hand chimes as well. For yeah. Ding Dong specifically, we are just playing the Ding Dongs on oh, the yeah. high do and the so. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's been pretty easy to do. And I quickly wipe those down with a little wipe yeah it doesn't it hasn't seemed to have corroded the metal or anything right um yeah and so with the orf instruments like the only thing i've done so far is a steady beat board dude and playing ticka ticka right just the ticka tickas yeah 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 well i mean whatever works but yeah it's fun for the kids it is all right so let's move on now let's talk about kind of more literacy focused activities Mm -hmm. maybe specifically about writing and composing because i mean reading rhythms you're going to be reading rhythms the same that's not going to be different and but when it comes to writing um what kind of things have we been doing to um you know make it covid friendly yes well (laughs) here's the thing and you and i've talked about this a lot how i am worried about the lack of physical writing happening not just in the music room but i mean it's been a it's it's been an ongoing thing even before covid where the more and more we have kids use technology and use keyboards to type with the less they are writing yeah right physically writing and i have a bunch of whiteboards Mm -hmm. and a bunch of dry erase markers Uh and so i just got them out um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm shocking. Like, I'm like, we're doing it. We're <laughs> How sad that that's shocking. I know it's shocking, <laughs> but especially 
when we're talking about rhythms like Tikka Tikka, for example, right? Yeah. So I want, okay, in the early prep for Tikka Tikka, when we're writing, it's perfectly fine for them to be scooting around little tiles right. within a um, Google Classroom, Google Slide environment. Yep. And okay, here's my Tikka Tikka, and I scoot it here because I know it's the second beat or whatever. But to get them to write it is something I really want them to do. Truly. Because yeah. they have to do the double beam, they have to write four stems and all of that and so I just I have enough whiteboards I have twice as many as I need Mm -hmm. for any class that I have in the room and so I'm just being really clear about okay these kids use these whiteboards they use these markers and they go into the dirty Uh bin and you just spread them all out and just spray spread them all them. out and spray them and I usually wait till the end of the yeah. day yep. because they're the only kids that are using the whiteboards so yeah. yeah I have been using whiteboards I have not made rhythm kits or music kits like I know you have and this yeah. is excellent that you have all this going so tell us about that yeah I mean I did I I, I have very small classes and so I feel like um and I also have a sizable budget um because I work at a title one school and I get a sizable budget to compensate for things that we don't have so anyways all that to say I did make music kits for my students I didn't necessarily include instruments in these kits these were simply kits to use for writing and manipulative activities so for uh second through fifth grade I've got a paper in a sheet protector that serves as our dry erase board Mm -hmm. and one side of it has a five line staff and the other side of it has um, eight squares to become eight beats for rhythm dictation Um, and so I used them just this actually in this last couple week rotations with my older students to do dictation and again it's like I think when we give our kids those opportunities, it's like they're almost, they were, did you notice this too? They were so happy to be actually yeah. physically writing. It was odd because yeah. they were like, oh, the they novelty. Were out about yeah. It. yeah, and I did tell my students, I, ha- I mean, I had a dry erase marker to give each one of them, but I had actually put on their school supply list at the beginning of the year to have a dry erase marker for music. So some of them did bring those in because I said, if you want a color, all I've got is black. <laughs> but if you want a special color, you're going to bring your own and leave them in your kits. Oh. And then for erasers, I just got these little square pieces of felt. Mm -hmm. I'll link to them in the show notes. They're these little perfect, I think they're like three by three, three inches by three inches pieces Mm -hmm. of felt that work perfectly for little dry erase markers. Um, Yeah, and then other things that I have in the kit that I haven't used yet, I've got those little like one inch bingo chips to use for melodic dictation, but then I will also practice writing note heads as well. You know, we'll do both. But right now we're just doing rhythm review, so we haven't gotten those out yet. Um, Yeah, so they're, they're pretty excited. And then for my... My uh, kindergarten and first grade students, we haven't used them yet, but they also have a music kit. Theirs has a two-line staff on one side of their dry erase sheet, and the other side just has four heartbeats. And we can also use a marker to write with, but then I also included popsicle sticks in their kits. So when we do either long and short short or ta and titi, and I got the variety of popsicle sticks, so they've got a little baggie inside of their big baggie that's got, you know, the regular size popsicle sticks, and then they've got a bunch of the mini popsicle sticks right so we'll be able to do long and short as well as ta and tt that way exactly um so that's yeah that has worked really well you know i mean it's it took me a while to to make them but you can even have the kids help you assemble them you know totally. once you have all the items kind of ready to go um but again i just want to emphasize i didn't use instruments in them i know some people are going all out with their kits but i find that if we're if i'm cleaning and sanitizing the instruments i didn't feel it was necessary to give them all instruments. I did give them a pair of dowel rods to use as rhythm sticks because mm-hmm. I thought that's something that we're going to use probably 
very commonly. Uh Um, So I thought that was worth giving them a set of sticks because also with the wood kind of just makes me nervous about like unfinished wood because my rhythm sticks are like the unfinished wood. Like lummy sticks or whatever. Oh, right. I have Um, painted and I've got so many of them. And they're painted, they're blue and they're red. Um, yeah, if you have the lacquered ones, the and they are ones, lacquered, it's probably so fine. Just... Those like unfinished lummy sticks, though, to clean yeah. those. I mean, first of all, it gives me the willies to wipe those with like a cloth. You know, it's like wooden spoons when they get wet. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever get the willies from that? Is it like nails on a chocolate? Yeah, thing? it gives it gives me the willies to like clean unfinished oh, wood. No, it doesn't so, bother me. <laughs> I just gave them their own little <laughs> dowel rods to use the sticks, and that's worked well too. So. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah, and so this is something really just worth remembering is that kids do need to manipulate yes. small items and this is something that as as we're using all these screens and they they love moving things around the screen and building rhythms or bringing the note heads over to compose a melody but they need to be able to use yeah real manipulatives like totally. this is another another path to really understanding the concept that whatever you're doing. Yeah, and yeah. it's still okay to do worksheets. I mean, I did, like, a paper-pencil test as an assessment with my older students to kind of see where they were at with their rhythms and things, and um, I just told them, bring your own pencil. Like, I told them, right. I asked their teacher that morning, can you please have your students bring pencils? Now, I had an extra cup of pencils. It's not a big deal for me to wipe off pencils at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. if they can just bring their own pencils, they can bring their own pencils, Right. you know, and then we were able to do... A worksheet. Now, part of that that test that we did was they were identifying rhythms like multiple choice, circling the right one. Then they had to write like dictation, mm-hmm. and then the final task on that test was there was a composition element to it, right. where they had to write, uh, compose an eight beat rhythm using. So, like fourth grade, they had to use ticka ticka because that was the most difficult element we've gotten to so far. And then what I had them do for sharing was then we got out our Chromebooks and then on Seesaw I had uploaded a task for them where they had to take a picture of their paper and then they had to speak and clap their rhythm to me and that was how they shared their composition so it's still that combination of yes I'm using technology in that purposeful way because Mm -hmm. that's much faster than me going around and asking every kid to share their rhythm out individually plus kids you know they don't feel so on the spot they just do it on their own kind of in their own little space and as far as that goes I have to say that's when I'm really thankful when I have a Zoom class. Yeah. Because when it comes to sharing things or recording things or whatever, it is just so much easier to, it's like a pair and share. I can have them, I can group them in twos into a breakout room or in, in a small group or, you know, they can share with each other. And, and this is one of the obstacles I have when I'm teaching live kids in person is that I want to say, okay, now we're going to get into a group of three and we're all going to, nope, nope, I guess we're not going to do that. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I, I did do centers. Yeah, for let's the first talk time. about that. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So um, I did it with a very small class. Well, when I say very small, I I mean there's like 17 kids uh-huh. in the class. So I guess that's 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 about normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean for COVID times. Um, and so I set up four stations, and we were reviewing a rhythm. Um, and anything that I wanted to put on the smart board, I instead put it on the Chromebook. Okay. Right? So the activity for the smart board, instead they did it on the Chromebook. They were doing it individually. They were doing it individually. Now, okay, to be fair, this is not traditional stations because 
like half of the stations were them sitting in a different spot doing something different on the Chromebook. Right. So, you know, it felt kind of like, oh, are they going to buy this? I'm being kind of silly. But Mm -hmm. it was just a, okay, I'm associating this area with this is my music listening area. And I'm listening on my headphones to something that Miss LeJune put in the Google Classroom and then reflecting on it. Yeah. Right. So I had a music reflection um, station. I had a... um, manipulate rhythms on Google Slides station. I had a station where I did put them in a small circle and I used poly dots and I used a dry erase marker and I wrote the rhythm on the poly dots. Mm -hmm. So um, I was trying to encourage them to sit or stand at the poly dots um, and I'd already spaced them. All right, now after after the first couple stations had rotated those polydot rhythms, they came right off. Oh, of course. Which is so sad because I was so like, oh, this is so perfect because I'll show them exactly where to go. So in the future, I'm just going to go back to using like tent cards. Yeah. Rhythm cards. Yeah. Um, and then I had another station where they're recording themselves on Flipgrid. Right. Reading, okay. singing or the rhythm. Yeah. Right. So... I made sure that the areas of the room, they could still be distanced. And I have to say, though, during all of the stations, um, I wanted to make sure I wasn't in charge of any station, that I was freed up to go and help and assist. And I really had to go and make sure they were still spaced. Yeah. Because the kids that were reading rhythms off of the polydots in a circle and going around the circle, they moved my dots and got Mm -hmm. really close together and all of that. (laughs) Um, but that's to say, it went okay. Yeah. I learned some things. Yeah. I did stations as well the day before Halloween, that Friday before Halloween, because I knew the kids were going to be in their costumes, hopped up on candy. Yeah, yeah. It was time to do some stations. And this was my first time doing stations at my new school and not really knowing if they had done things like that before. And I don't think they have a lot because uh-huh. they were, I mean, they were excited about it, which was good. But yeah, just, I mean like respect for the materials like you know Mm -hmm. those kind of things so um I kind of did go traditional with my stations but you know lots of cleaning afterwards so I did have them do something on the smart board where they were taking turns it was like one of those interactive music games Mm -hmm. so then I just made sure I wiped the smart board down really good Mm -hmm. after um I did have them play a song using boom whackers they have never played boom whackers before at the school I was shocked but um so they were pretty geeked out about that so I just had a song that we had been working on in class written out with you know colorful dots and then they just took turns playing and again sprayed and wiped down those boom whackers really well at the end um I did have them do a matching game where like they were like oh, yes. flipping cards I made some matching games too yeah I decided to make a matching game for every single kid. Yeah, I didn't Ugh. do that. I did a regular matching game, but it was something that I had laminated, so, you mm. know. Yeah, then, well, mine wasn't laminated, so yeah, there you that, go. I think that's the difference. And then my fourth station was they were doing something on their Chromebook. Um, there was something that I had assigned to them on Seesaw, and some kids had finished it and some kids hadn't. Mm-hmm. So the kids who had finished it, they could just have some exploration time, I call it. I have a website with Chrome Music Lab and a credit box and links to all those places, um, and the kids who hadn't finished, they took that time to finish that assignment. So, um, yeah, same thing. I was having to remind them a lot about, you know, even though I know you're traveling with as a group and, you know, you're going to be kind of together, you still have to be. I said, if you put chicken elbows out, like chicken wings out, mm-hmm. and you can touch someone, you're too close. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's so hard. And, I, I mean, I know for a fact when they're in their classroom, they're doing activities where 
they're grouped together and they're moving around. I mean, I don't think we're the only ones. I know. Because, you know, it is, I mean, they're wearing masks and we're doing what we can. So, was it something I'll do often? No. 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 <laughs> it was definitely something I did that day because I knew they would need something different. Um, and when I go back to my, my regular school, I have a much bigger room and much smaller class sizes. Yes. So, there I feel much safer doing stations. Plus, the kids have done them so many times, they kind of know the exactly. routines. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, one other thing I think maybe we should mention before we go move on to this last little piece is um, we both have really been singing the praises of Seesaw lately. Yeah, yes, and, definitely. You know, whether it's for writing activities or composition activities or, you know, like you said, performing, your, uh, performing something. Flipgrid is really great for that too, but I just absolutely love that with Seesaw, everything's in one place. Yep. They can write something or manipulate something and then they can record it. Right that is, there. and that is worth so much because yeah. this is music I yeah. mean if you take away the articulating of the melody or the rhythm or the doing the music part yeah it's just a study and I don't know what I mean maybe kids are hearing it in their head but I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it all the time right um but yeah so I was I think I've mentioned before how um I'm having students bring their devices every single class and at my home school first graders and second graders are on seesaw in their classroom. Yeah. So that's the learning environment like that. They're I, already on. They're already on. And so that's great. Um, and I have, we have a AMP, Art, Music, and PE, Google, or sorry, a Seesaw classroom for them. But at my other school where I am the guest teacher, I have a second grade and they're on Google Classroom. Yeah. And I, uh, for a little bit, I was like, okay, now I got to take this assignment that I gave to my second graders at my homeschool, and I've got to change it into a Google Classroom assignment. And that was becoming so cumbersome. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, and then I'm going to have them go to Flipgrid so they can record it. And then I'm going to have them go to Jamboard so they can actually write or draw this thing. Yeah. And I was getting so frustrated. And so this past week when I went to my... um, my second school I was just like you know what I'm gonna do what Carrie's doing as far as here's the link to seesaw yeah within their google classroom yeah and I will have to say I got some pushback initially from the teachers from, well over the students from the students okay. and I I barely mentioned it to I, I did mention it to the teacher and they don't you know I'm linking it through google classroom they don't care right um but the students were like seesaw no we used seesaw when we were in first grade in kindergarten I'm like well, <laughs> let's just give it a try, shall yeah, we? Yeah. Um, and then after that first day and the first few minutes, no problems. Well, because I think even the students can see, oh, in Seesaw I can write. Exactly. Or I can draw or I can record. Mm-hmm. I can't Or do I can that. type. Yeah, yeah, normally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do this with all of my students, even through fifth, sixth grade, is I link from Google Classroom to Seesaw, and they just know that's just part of our, our routine. Now. Right. And I, I appreciate there are some things in Google Classroom that I really like, like forms oh, yeah. or answering a question. And I like it better for the organization piece, organizing mm-hmm. the work by topic or by day of the week. You exactly. know, this is what you have to do today. This is, you know, what you can do if you finish early. Um, you, Seesaw has folders, but it's not. No, it's, it's not. not it's not organized the same. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more. It's it's laid out in a logical way on Google Classroom. Yeah. Where in Seesaw, you're kind of like everything's just bleh, right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yay, Seesaw. All right. So we're going to finish up now. Our final kind of category of things we want to talk about is um, 
having students do activities that are around music appreciation or reflection and also kind of tying in, in the SEL, the SEL stuff. Mm-hmm. So what's been working well for you, Tanya? Okay, so I was area. super, and I think I've mentioned this before, I keep saying that, but um, I was a big fan uh, oh, for so many years of having an intro song. We come in, we sing, helps us make the transition into now I'm in the music room, now I'm singing, now this is what we do. And I have always loved starting class that way. Not doing that. Now as kids walk in the room, I have a piece of music playing and on the smart board I have up on a Google slide, you are listening to um, Mozart, Mozart's Rondo, Rondo Alaturka. And then I give them a question to ponder, mm-hmm. right? So I have sentence starters that I have posted above my smart board in both of the rooms that I'm using. And it says things like, I notice, I see, I hear, I speculate, I wonder. So these are our sentence starters when we're listening to this music. So if I want them to get real specific, um, I might write on the slide, what do you notice about the tempo, Okay. right? But many times it's just, uh, what do you notice? Yeah. So my first few, my first couple of weeks with each class, I was very intentional about putting a sentence starter right on the Google slide, Uh telling them that. But I've started to take that away, and now they walk in, and I just point towards the sentence starters above the board, and they know that that's what they're supposed to be doing is thinking, um, any of those how would they start sentence to talking about this music so it's been a good way for them to and i and it's taken some training about when you come in you hear music your job is to listen mm-hmm. and if there's a question on the board think about that as you listen if there's not look at the sentence starters above the board and it's been working really well that's great and i do it with every single class um the trickiest thing is um syncing up the music with when the class comes because they're not oh. all coming down the hallway exactly um, when I think they should be. Oh, okay. And I sometimes get bummed out that they're not hearing the first minute of the piece. Got it. Or whatever. So, but I want it to be playing when they walk in. That's true. So, I mean, that's just a silly little <laughs> thing. If I if I was all fancy and I had like remotes hooked up or like an Apple Watch, I could really yeah. just time it as perfectly. As soon as they walk in the door, you just bloop on your yes, watch. Yes, exactly. But I've got old technology where it's like press play or at least on the computer press play or, you know, a YouTube video. God forbid you have to listen to a Verbo ad. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah. But if you do, if you put the link into Google Google Slides, it, yeah, it doesn't, you, you get to miss most of those advertisements. Cool. When you do that. Yeah. So, um... That was a, a long explanation for something that's really very simple. But just, I like this music appreciation piece where they're hearing music, at the very least, when they walk in the room. Um, I also like doing a Google Classroom question as an alternative. So I might have written on the, the Google slide, as you walk in, go to your Google Classroom, answer this question about the music you're hearing now. Oh, nice. And it's just quick, done. Yeah. And they've gotten really good about answering that and just being done with it. Yeah. And this is all stuff you can do on Zoom as well. It is stuff. And as far as Zoom's concerned, I definitely start every class period with music. And I I usually have them following me um, as a beat leader type activity. Like, um, I'm moving, they're moving, they're copying my moves. I'm, of course, I'm saying, oh, hello. Oh, I see Avery's here. I see Stuart's here. I see so-and-so's here. And I 
strongly recommend, and I'm sure people have figured this out, you give a few minutes for kids to come into your Zoom room. Right. Because they're going to be, some of them are going to be a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and so we're just listening to music nice. as they come in. Uh, yeah, so as far as SEL, you have some excellent SEL specific assignments that you've been doing that I've taken from you. Um, that have well, been... yeah, the, I, we did the soundtrack of my life thing, and we talked about that in our last episode, I think. Yeah, yes. our last episode was about student choice and voice, so definitely go back and listen to that if mm-hmm. you're interested in that. And did lots of beginning of the year activities, too, where students were doing lots of responses. Um, again, singing the praises of Seesaw, something that I really love, especially for primary learners in a remote environment, is um, kind of giving them an open way to respond to a question that you ask them. Right. So they can either choose to record themselves or they can um, draw a picture right. or they can type a note. So whether it's them just telling me, you know, a simple answer to a question, what did you, which, which, what did you notice about this song? You know, any of those sentence starters you notice, um, I, I try to give my, my K-1-2 remote kids that option of you can, and I, I say to type it all out, you can take a picture, you can record your voice, you can take a video, you can draw a picture, and I get all types of responses from kids. Right. So I love giving them that, that choice. That Seesaw environment is so good for that. Yeah. I am struggling with having them, when they do record their voice or a video, the, having it quiet in the room. For them to... For that, oh, like they're in their house and there's background noise? No, no, I'm saying when you have a class live and in person oh, and you're yeah. asking them to record something on Seesaw. Yeah. Or on Flipgrid. Yeah. It's been a I struggle. I was talking more about kids who are in a remote environment and oh, they're doing this okay. from home. Um, and then it, that's interesting you mentioned that because even with my kiddos um, that I like, I mentioned that they took a picture of their composition and then recorded themselves. Uh-huh. I had some kids ask me, well, can I do the recording at home? And I was like, as long oh, as you remember to do okay. it. So like they, they took the picture because they had their paper with them and they got it all loaded into Seesaw and then they knew when they were going to go home that night for homework, they were going to record themselves. And they did it? I yeah, wow. I mean, it was only like two kids who did it that way, but yeah, yeah. The rest of them did it in class. I I mean, it depends on what you're having them do. I just tell them make sure you speak loudly, and I know there's background noise, but as long as you are speaking loudly, it tends to pick up their voice louder than the others. Yes, and in so. an asynchronous environment, like you were saying, you mostly do it for. That is so crucial when you've never met the child oh, like because yes. I'm having this and I know you do too it's yep. like I've never met some of these kids that I'm I'm teaching through an asynchronous you know lessons yeah so for them to see me yeah and for me to see them like moving in a video format yeah. it, it means a lot to it's make a huge. more of a connection because you're more than just the, the the typing or the voice from coming from the screen totally And now it is time for our segment, Know Better, Do Better, where we um, discuss something in our classroom that we want to make sure we are being um, culturally sensitive and inclusive. And it could be about repertoire. It could be about practices that we'd like to investigate and change or... Yeah. Let's see. What do you have? I have no idea. Well, mine is actually going to be more about um, inclusivity in regards to gender. Okay. Um, So something that I've really been thinking a lot about is my bad habits when it comes to girls do this and boys do that. And Uh. I've never been like 
when it comes to like singing games, I've never been like boy girl partners or anything like that. But I find that like, let's say we're going to put away our pencils that we just used. I'll be mm-hmm. like, all right, girls, go ahead and put away your pencils. And then boys, go ahead and put away your pencils. It's more like calling students to do things or calling them to line up. Sometimes I just do girls and then boys or boys. And this is a habit that I'm definitely trying to break. And I want to give a shout out to our good friend, Amy Abbott. Mm-hmm. She did a, a little session this last summer about gender inclusivity and awareness. And it's really just got me thinking about those bad habits that yeah. I've been that I've been doing. So it's just a simple thing, but I've really been making sure that I'm not saying hello, boys and girls. I mean, that's actually something that I that I've always kind of cringed about too. Yeah, is, you know, yeah, or even a... ladies and gentlemen, I'll say that a lot. But I'm just I'm like hello, musicians. I'm yes. like calling my students musicians or calling my I students call them fifth learners. graders or, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then when it comes to grouping students to do whatever, whether it's grouping them to like I said, do tasks in the room or group them up for certain activities, I'm just really trying to be aware and making sure that I'm not using any gender norms for any of those groupings. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah. Can I add on to that a little bit? Yes, please. Because I I was doing something this week and I was thinking about it. Um, I have uh, started to try to include they as a pronoun more often with with songs and just uh, chants and put it in there. So I was doing a little chant with, here's a little baby ready for a nap. Lie him down in his mother's lap. Oh, right. Cover him up so he won't, you know. Yeah. Um. So this little chant that's like a fast, slow right. thing. And so I usually do like lie him down first time. And then it, we keep, we repeat it several times. The second time it's lie her down right. in her mother's or father's lap. I change that up too. Sure. And um, then I just, this last week included lie them down. In there. In the, actually, I said brother. I don't know. I was just like, didn't think ahead. And that came out. And they went, brother? I was like, why not? Brother needs to help rock the baby, too. Oh, lie them down in their brother's lap. Lie them down in their brother's oh, lap. yeah, of course. Yeah. Any family member can help put the baby to sleep. Exactly. But then I used brother. I didn't see. I didn't think about that second part. It just kind of, you know. But, yeah, I mean, that's, it's not that, that gender identification things like brother and sister, mother and father are going away. It's right. just being inclusive of others as well. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I like that you use they and them. That's I was awesome. just trying to use a they. Yeah. So now it's time for our CODA section where we give a recommendation of something we're enjoying in or out of our classrooms. Yep. All right, Tanya, you go first. <laughs> okay. Um, so when we have family road trips or any long drives, yeah. I try to keep us all engaged in an audiobook. Yeah. And it's kind of sad this year since we're not traveling as much to choir rehearsals and other things that usually I'm listening to more audiobooks with my kids. That's true. Than yeah. I've done. Um, but anyway, we started listening to a book that I got off Audible and it's called Matched, and it's a young adult book by Ali Condi. And I've read this book, like, you know, not not the audiobook version, but I've, I've read this book. And so I thought this would be one that everybody in my family could enjoy because both my kids, they loved The Hunger Games, and um, my son loved Divergent, and, you know, it's this youth in a dystopian world yeah. kind of thing. So I'm going to read from here. 
um, in a society, in the in this society, officials decide who you love, where you work, when you die. And um, it's about this young girl who is 16, no, 17 years old, and she's been in this society that's been kind of set, set up to be a perfect society where everything is controlled from like what you wear, you're given like plain brown clothes for your right. everyday wear, um, the possessions that you have, how often you exercise, um, the food is delivered to your house and it's just created with your specific nutrients in mind. Um, and everything is just very controlled. They have a list of like 100 books that you're allowed to read, 100 poems you're allowed to hear, 100 songs you're allowed to hear. Yeah. And, and it's this like utopian but really dystopian society. Right. And so our, our um, protagonist has been matched to, to a boy that she's supposed to marry at some point in the next few years. And then, um, you know, start a family with because you're, they've decided when you're optimal time to have babies is oh and my. so things have to happen that way anyway so as you can guess she starts to question she starts to wonder she starts to wonder <laughs> why are things like this is this how we should really be nice. anyway so it's been a, it's been a good audio book and it's it is young adult but we've all enjoyed it matched by Ali Condi so what about you um well as always I'm always like too years and eight seasons late to any TV party, but I have been really enjoying <laughs> Shit's Creek, finally. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to watch this show, but it is right up my alley. It is silly, and the characters are just hilarious and all just quirky in their own ways, and I've always been a fan of um, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy as a team. I love all of those Christopher Guest mockumentary movies. A Mighty Wind. Oh my gosh, all of them. Yeah, the yeah. Best in Show, I mean, Waiting for Guffman, they're all so great. So those two together, again, is like the match made in heaven. And then you add Eugene Levy's son in real life, who is the son on the show. Mm -hmm. It's Daniel, right? Daniel Levy? Yes. I think it's Daniel. Think oh my right. gosh, so mm -hmm. funny. I mean, just everybody, all the characters are just hilarious. The storyline, it's so silly and ridiculous. But it is. It is so funny. Catherine O'Hara especially is my favorite. And so it's just been my little escape. We were just watching her in Beetlejuice because oh, our yeah. family watched that for Halloween. And I always forget that she does Sally's voice in Nightmare Before Christmas too. Oh. Yeah, so she's got the Tim Burton connection as well. Yes, she is she does. just so fabulous in everything she does. So if you are like me and you've been living under a rock and you haven't watched Shit's Creek and you just want a silly comedy that you can just put on and enjoy and not think about other things for a little while. That's nice to It's do. a good one. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. And if you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be celebrating our three-year podcasting anniversary by discussing our top three episodes of all time and how we feel about what we said then now. Does it hold up? Does it hold up? Until <laughs> next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. Music.